So this is uh, Basil Hayden Dark Rye. Um, it says it's uh, based on the unique high rye uh, recipe blended with Canadian rye whiskey and port. Oh, we're getting a mix here. A new take on a blend. <laughs> it does taste a little different than most ryes I've had. Smooth. It's only 40%. Yes, and it's, it's a copper color. Yeah, it's darker than a lot of a lot of whiskeys. This doesn't make your hair stand on end when you drink it. I'm sorry, not to mention hair. Oh uh, yeah. So did you end up going to Costco? Nah. Went to Harris Tito. Hmm. So, what kind of cigar are we smoking? So you're smoking um, Fox Cigar. They have a, uh, a bundle that they sell. So, wanted to try those out. They're, they're budget sticks. Um, this one that I'm smoking, they threw in for free, and it's their uh, 10th anniversary um, cigar oh. that they did with uh, Rocky Patel. The 10th anniversary, they used 10-year-old tobacco? I don't think so. I think, I think they just... Uh... Oh, it's even got the fox in the logo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, they're a good um, a good merchant. Like I've said before, you know they're they're not the cheapest place, but they send you what you bought, and it's always good quality. How many um, cigar manufacturers are out there? Oh, there's millions. Mm -hmm. Well, not literally millions, but a whole bunch of them. Um, I mean, they, they're not really, I mean, except for these, they don't really do a lot of cigar manufacturing like you would see maybe Rocky Patel or A.J. Fernandez or Davidoff or something like that, but, you know. It's a nice new smoke. Yeah, I thought so, too. Doesn't have that bitter aftertaste of some. No, yeah. Uh, light's pretty good. Didn't have to work on like some of the other ones I've had. Yeah. One thing I've noticed with these is I guess because they're short filler instead of long filler, uh, it's best to punch and not guillotine them. Because I guillotined one once, got a lot of pieces in my mouth. Mm. 
which is bound to happen a little bit when you smoke, no matter what, but the amount that I was getting was overly... Yeah. Yeah. So some of the cigars I gotta work on, like, trying to get the draw, I'm like... It's like sucking air through a really tiny Yeah, and it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be, you know, nice and smooth. Good choice. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, too bad we can't talk to angels about the, <laughs> the whiskey. I'm sure yeah. they have their take on things. Mm. When does Caden get uh, home? <clears throat> Eight. Mm. Eight thirty. That apparently, life, right? Apparently. Apparently. You're. Um, anarchist, anarchy ideas have infiltrated his brain. Because uh. Uh, he was at work the other day and they were talking about how a society would work without rules. Right. And it's interesting that all at work were saying, well, you need to have some kind of rules because. To, because we're all in our society we're kind of complex so we need some kind of rules but I'm sure in a simple society it could work um, I don't know if it's about no rules or, or I think that's a misconception it's more about how should the rules be you know should, should I define the rules by which I interact with people and they with me or should those rules be imposed by a third party? I think, um, from what I understand, anarchy is really misunderstood too, because it's not absence of government. It's more or less counting absence of the state. Yeah, yeah. But it's also believing that people will act in good faith and, and best interest of all. Mm, no, it's just that people are going to do that anyway, but when when you have a state, those people, by the nature of politics, self-selecting for those traits, you're going to get people who are self-interested sociopaths, who are not only sociopaths in their own life, but are sociopaths with a lot of power. And do you want those people to have I mean, to... I, we're not talking about present day, are we? We're talking about the last at least a hundred years. Well, There's nothing worse than somebody who thinks that they need to amass a lot of power to, uh, to do the greater good. Whatever that whatever that is into their definition. So I, a guy had a t-shirt at the airport the other day and it was a really interesting quote. It was from Thomas Jefferson. It was really interesting because I didn't get a chance to talk to him much but it's interesting. He was saying the gist of the quote was that if you depend on the government to give you everything then the government can take everything away from you. That's true. Something, something to that. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, if you want, you know, for example, a single-payer healthcare system, well, I'm assuming you're going to run it through the HHS, right, Health and Human Services. That person's going to be appointed, yes, you know, if they have to be, you know, ratified by the Senate or, or confirmed by the Senate or whatever. But that person's going to be appointed by the president. And that's all well and good if that president's somebody you like. But somebody like Trump is going to be president again yeah. sometime in the next 30 to 50 years, if not before then. And maybe that person will be worse than Trump. Do you want that person in charge of, of assigning somebody to the HHS? So who should be assigned to the HHS? person should be a, a, a um, result of the marketplace. Well, let me ask you this. The CDC. Yeah. It's a clearinghouse for medical information to make sure it gets out there. <coughs> Certain medical information, but yes. Everybody's got an agenda, and most of all the people who claim not to have an agenda. I'm just, well, I'm just wondering if we didn't have the CDC, how would they be able to get out? Today, it's the internet. You've, all kinds of information is out there. Huh. A lot of it's false. A lot of it's not. I mean... When you monopolize, when you put it in one place, it has a tendency to get captured by people with an agenda. You know, like all the stuff that they pushed, you know, low-fat, high-carb diets in the 70s and 80s. You know, fat is bad, it's going to give you a heart attack, it's going to kill you, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think that was the best information I had at the time. No, it was a result of lobbying. Doctors at the time said, hey, we have some major reservations about this. And it was pushed through regardless. Politics doesn't move at the same speed that, or the same mechanisms that the real world does. Well, I'm pretty sure it was a lot of it was the best information they had at the time. Even so, it wasn't right. It was wrong. They had just not said anything and let people figure it out. Well, what about um, quality control and food control? In other words, um, all the listeria outbreaks. You can't trust businesses to regulate themselves when it comes to I mean, they, they obviously don't want to poison their customers. But it doesn't stop them. It does, words, granted, words, somebody could cut corners, but those people often are in the regulatory bodies anyway. Well, I have to say, the, um, you know, the, the meatpacking industry uh, pushed through changes to push the, uh, to gut the FDA so they had no authority to enforce recalls. But a lot of them are in with the FDA and they push these regulations because they want to... You know, for, the perfect example of this is halal. Not halal, yeah, halal for one, but also kosher, right? Kosher is an official designation that it's okay to eat if you're Jewish, right? Yeah. 
There's nobody. The government doesn't enforce that. The government doesn't send a rabbi over and say, "Yeah, this is this is done according to the the, the law of Moses." And yet, nobody doubts when they buy something kosher that it's actually kosher. Probably because the social fallout if you buy something that says it's kosher and it's not is hell yeah, to pay. Yeah, exactly. So, but why isn't it, why isn't it hell to pay when they? cover up Listeria. Corporate law. Corporate law, which is enforced by the state. The state created these legal institutions called corporations and shield them a lot of times from liability. If I know that I'm not going to be held liable, especially when I can offset that liability to the government, if the FDA says it's okay, oh, the FDA said it was okay. I don't have to, you got sick, oh well. FDA said it was fine. You, you now are shielded from liability. You know, it's like, uh, you know, in the ancient times when the guy who uh, built the bridge had to live under it. I he, he would make damn sure it was a good bridge, didn't he? Well, I guess that's the same principle about um, the army and the helicopter mechanics. They make them fly in the helicopters. Yeah, don't go to the restaurant where the, the owner doesn't eat there. You know, I'll just be right back. Make sure that you know you've got uh, skin in the game. It's an important principle. Well, I think this is actually the best rye I've ever had. I, I don't really it's like rye. It's actually smooth and it doesn't have a kick. Yeah, like you know. I mean, I don't mind if it has a kick in a good way, but usually rye reminds me of pickle juice the way it tastes. You know, sometimes I have have you whiskey and it makes me want to stand up and dance yeah just because of the taste mm. like, rrr, rrr, rrr. Okay. i am on my way to get the jalapeno brats all right don't know why what i'm gonna ask you this <coughs> what are you looking for right back yeah oh so, don't know why what? I don't know why I'm going to ask you this, but I probably already know the answer. Who, are you going to vote? No. No? No. There's a libertarian candidate on the, on the ballot. So what? For president. Yeah. What are they going to do? You might need a relight. But maybe not. Sometimes it stays light. Yeah. What are they going to do? Register and just vote. It's like a protest vote. What am I protesting? I mean, I don't, like either, either <laughs> I don't want anybody in the office. I don't care if they're a libertarian. I don't care if they're a, a hippie. A, you know. No human should have this, the amount of power that the President of the United States has. Yeah, but still. You're like a protester. No. <laughs> but you want to, at least you have a vote. You kind of cancel someone's vote out. I'd sell it. Somebody wanted to pay me 
thousand bucks. Isn't that illegal? It is, but I'm just saying that you know, if that was legal and somebody said, "Hey, I'll give you a thousand bucks to vote for my candidate," sure. I mean, preferably, I just auction it and say, "Hey, for highest bidder." Unfortunately, I live in a relatively safe state. What do you mean safe? Biden's probably going to win it pretty comfortably. Only because of Northern Virginia. Yeah. And Prince William County. Yeah. Interesting. A couple of years ago, they were talking about in Richmond, the southern half of Virginia was mad at the northern half, and they were saying we we need to separate from the Virginia, and we form our own state. It wouldn't be a bad thing. Until they realized they'd be committing suicide because Northern Virginia generates all the revenue. Yeah, but it's not like they need a lot of revenue down in the South. I mean, they could, they could, they could survive. They just don't want to. It's the they same don't want thing. To survive? No, they they don't want to have to work with with less. They want to live off the largesse, namely the politicians. It's not really the people who rarely see any of these supposed benefits. Can you imagine Fairfax being the capital? I mean, yeah, and unfortunately, people have a negative connotation of secession because of the Civil War. When you say, hey, maybe people should just secede and have their own country, everybody thinks of slavery. They don't think of like, you know, if, if California seceded in the 60s because they didn't like Vietnam, nobody would have said anything. Well, I don't know. I think they'd be like, wait a minute, you can't succeed because you're like the fifth biggest state that has, uh, I mean, if you're a country, you would have the fifth highest GDP. Mm-hmm. But what does that have to do with anything? What, you're entitled to that just because they happen to, to be, be born under a certain political regime? I mean, nobody made that argument about the Soviet Union. Nobody said, hey, you know, we can't let the Ukraine leave, or we can't let Georgia leave, or we can't let Armenia leave. No, but they want them back. Maybe, but nobody, nobody seriously, like anybody who says the, the U.S. can't have separate states going their own way as, a, as their own independent country. The people who say that are the same people who cheered when the Soviet republics left the Soviet Union. And... I'm not saying they shouldn't have had been able to leave the Soviet Union. I'm just saying that you can't hold both opinions and be consistent in your in your um, principles. But nobody said anything about South Sudan. South Sudan seceded from Sudan. Still having some problems with that, but you know you can't say that South Sudan has a right to leave, but you know South Carolina can't become its own country. I think that's a little different. How? It's maybe different from your perspective because you live here, but I'm sure the people in Sudan said, hey, we can't let South Sudan leave. And they fought that for a long time. But I think you're dealing with a different situation. How so? I think, like, you're dealing with tribes and people who have different cultures and different outlooks. And Somebody from South Carolina might say, hey, we have a different culture than the rest of the... Uh, just using South Carolina as an example, but I'm sure, you know, people in different states would say, hey, we don't have much in common with people in other states. 
You know, California is a different way to live than, say, Texas or Virginia. They have the same heritage, the same. But don't we all, if you go back far enough, we all have the same heritage to some extent. Bob, that's, I, I find that a, not a good analogy because we all know that African boundaries are, are, are arbitrary and were designed by Europeans. Yeah, but and they didn't take. But even effect, so, didn't but take effect uh, the tribal history of that area. Yeah, but even so, if a bunch of people moved to a place and kept to themselves, right, and a hundred years go by and they've developed their own culture, and they said, "Hey, we we just want to go our own way. See you later." How would that be any any way meaningfully different? Well, we fought a civil war, so that that that's basically said that you can't succeed. Yeah, but did that settle the issue? I mean, you could say it did, but did it really? I mean. And if it did, all it really settled was might might makes right. It's not exactly what people want to think of when they think about how civilized nations conduct themselves. It was civil war of a moral war than it was about state rights. I'm sure it was moral for some people, but it was absolutely about preserving the union for some people. The people who voted to start the war. Who were that? The politicians in the South and the politicians in the North. Well, the North didn't want to fight. Uh, uh, yeah, but they didn't want to let South Carolina leave either. No, but if I remember right, <coughs> did pretty much anything he could to try to. Yeah, but the one choice he could have made, which is to say, okay, South Carolina wants to leave, let them. Let them go. They don't want to be here. Why am I, you know, just like a wife that divorces her husband. She doesn't want to be there anymore. Just let her leave. Why you got a, a hostage? You want to keep a hostage in, in your in your fold. Just let him go. Let him go and repeal the fugitive slave law and say, look, you can go. You can do whatever you want. But any of your slaves that escape across the border, you can get fucked. We're not returning them. You can go to hell. If you want to make us, try it. But then address Fuck Scott around and decision. find out. The address Scott uh, decision. Um, yeah, but it didn't definitively rule that slaves could only be treated as property. It just interpreted the law as it existed. The fugitive slave law was, was a piece of legislation that could be repealed. Because you had free states. There were free states in the north that you could live in as a freed, a freed slave. But, but as a... But the South could still come and get you and haul you back. By law. I'm saying that if the Union just said, any of the Southern states want to leave, go ahead, but we are repealing the Fugitive Slave Law. If the slaves cross the border from your Confederacy into the Union, into the United States, they are going to be uh, able to stay here. And if we catch any of your people in the United States trying to take a freed slave, we're arresting them and we're putting them in jail. But that that's how national. you solve, huh? 
as a national law. Right. Repeal yeah. it. You don't have the. But, but if, the, have to vote to if the South left, they're not voting in Congress anymore. If the Southern senators are no longer in the in the Senate, then they can't vote in in uh, national legislation. So you should have said, "Okay, leave," but then this is going to happen. Yeah, it's okay, leave, but just so you know, any escaped slaves are going to be free, and we're not returning them. And if you want to try to make us, fuck around and find out. It's interesting. And they would have backed down. And they would have the, the southern states would have backed down in the sense that they would have said, "Okay, we're just you know," and it would have it would have hampered their economy. Now, you know, again, we're all talking about hypotheticals here, but I don't see how you know anything was made better by killing half a million people soldiers it was probably more people civilians who died i'm pretty sure there's a lot of civilians that died yeah yeah especially in the south was that worth it for maybe ending slavery 10 years i don't know i know that in principle it doesn't seem right to say that people should it, it, both sides seem immoral to me in the sense that the, the Southern choice should have been, if they wanted to claim the moral high ground, should have been, hey, we're freeing all the slaves and declaring ourselves independent, and then you cut the, the legs right from under the moral case for the war. They didn't do that to their detriment and stupidity. Interesting, though, toward the end, they were talking about giving slaves freedom. But they fought for their cause. Yeah, uh, it was too late, too little, too late. But then the question would have been, um, would that have been? I mean, the problem when asking about, you know, why they did this or who did what is. It's just, you know, it misses the point because people were not considering one factor or another when they decided, hey, this is what we're going to do. But I think, um... Like, I'm sure that if the South didn't have slavery, the North may have been more reluctant to fight the Civil War and maybe it never would have happened. Maybe the South just would have seceded and it would have been fine. I'm sure that <laughs> if preservation of slavery wasn't at risk for the South, that there's a chance maybe they don't want to fight the war. Maybe, you know, that, that you, you can't just pick out a factor and say, well, this was 75% of the factor, or this was this, or this was that, because they were considering the whole picture. There, there, there were no good guys in in the Civil War. I mean, there, I know people like to try to say that you know, oh, Lincoln was a tyrant, and he was, but it's no different than Jefferson Davis, who is you know fighting to enforce slavery in not only his own state but in the entire Confederacy. Well, I think even if the even if the South did free the slaves to get them to fight for their cause. You know. I mean, by by then it's too too late. I mean, if they if they 
if they were really so offended and, and they really wanted to make it about we have a right to leave, then their first step would have been, fine, it's not about slavery, we are abolishing it. And then we are seceding because then you have no moral ground to stand on. Doing that in reverse and saying, well, we're going to wait a couple of years until we're really desperate is doesn't really get you any moral sympathy. But, yeah, anyway, I, I think it's relevant because not that I think that there's any risk of this happening, but there's people talking about that kind of thing today is that, you know, there's such a divide in the, in the country, you know, that, that maybe going separate ways is, is the right answer. I don't think it's that bad, but again, I'm not a very politically active person. I don't think it's that bad yet either. I think there's enough common ground, common heritage, and people realize that if you cut the head off... Well, not just that, but, I mean, 50% of eligible voters didn't vote in, in 2016, 2012. Probably the same will happen this year. I don't know. 52 million people have already voted. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just saying that a sizable percentage of people um, don't vote, right? I mean, in 2016, most people didn't vote, right? It was, like, it? it was like 50% or 48% or something like that. I don't know. Of eligible voters didn't vote. I think it was like 60%. Either way, it's a sizable number. But they're saying this go around, a lot of people are realizing that they have a voice and that they can exercise they could exercise it even if they didn't vote. How would they exercise if they didn't vote? They can still speak. They can still talk to people. They can still engage in right, activity. But, but at the end of the day, the numbers count. And this is an opportunity for them. You know, it was interesting. I was watching... Um, yeah, but it's all just noise. It was interesting. I was watching uh, this, this show on Netflix called um, The Chicago 7. Yeah. And did you see it? I heard about it. I haven't seen okay, it. Okay. Well, anyway, Abby Hoffman's on the on the um, stand to present his side, right, to defend himself. Yeah. And the prosecutor says, "Do you support revolution?" And Abby Hoffman said, "Yes, I support it." And the guy prosecutor's like, "Really?" And Abby Hoffman, and, and I'm sure I'm just generalizing. But Abby Hoffman says, "Every four years we have a revolution. We peacefully elect new leaders." But the question is, is that you are choosing, if you view, if you truly view your vote as your voice, you, it's, it's, it's noise because you, you are choosing something that you hope will somewhat, somewhat reflect your choices, what you value and in hopes that it will impose those values on everybody else. So you're not just talking about your own voice, because your voice can be your choice of uh, automobile, or your choice of whiskey you like to drink. Those are also choices. Or whether you have windmills or not. Yeah, but you could, if you can build your own windmill, why do you need everybody else to build a windmill? 
Why do I need to build a windmill just because you like windmills? Well, I, I think, you know, I think we're getting to the point where we need to have renewable energy sources. Yeah, but why is that a political question? If it's so such a big need, somebody will build them and make a ton of money, and everybody else will be well off because of it. But I think... Uh, and it's not just about windmills. It's about, you know, should uh, flavored uh, vaping tobaccos be illegal? Like, why is that a choice? What if somebody really just wants to have vaping tobacco? I mean, shit, what if somebody is... I, I don't think that that's the issue as much as, as it is um, you're getting younger kids smoking this vaping. That's the excuse. That's not the reality. That's the excuse to impose this on everybody because you're afraid somebody might enjoy something. They say it's about kids, but it's it's not. That's the excuse that they use to impose this on everybody else. I don't know. I see a lot of kids smoking it, and it's detrimental to the health. That's probably your perception. Most people, still most people don't smoke. And if they do smoke, why is it your job to protect them from themselves? I'm not talking about underage kids. That's a that's an issue. I have you have no can, problem with people wanting to smoke. As but we smoke cigars ourselves, by the way. Uh, <laughs> as we smoke cigars yeah, ourselves, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have no problem with that. If you want to smoke a cigarette or you want to smoke a cigar, that's fine. Right. But as an adult, you have the right to make that choice. Mm -hmm. But when you're a child, you don't have that right. Because you're not really equipped to make those decisions. Although, right. I have to say mm -hmm. that, you know, it's interesting that uh, kids could marry when they were 12 years old back in the day because they were pretty much considered adult by that point. Right, but be that as it may, if you're worried about kids doing flavored tobacco, the answer isn't take that choice away from all adults, which is what they've done. The answer is to make it so you can't sell this stuff to kids so what, what I'm saying know. and so but the, the reason people will say oh it's about the kids or they'll say it's because we want to prevent people from getting disease or whatever even though that's not your choice to make for somebody else even it even though it might be your voice and your value if you vote to impose that value on everybody else, let's let's take that that issue too. Let's just throw that one aside. Let's say it's your value to make um, Iraq a democracy, right? That's what you value. Why should you get to vote that value so that we all have to contribute to making Iraq a democracy? Maybe even against uh, Iraqis' own will. Why is that a choice? Well, if you want to do it, God bless you. Go pick up a rifle and go over there. If you want to do that, knock yourself out, buddy. That's your choice. You should be... I'm not going to stop you. But the second that you ask me to contribute to that and say, if you don't, we're going to put you in jail, that's where you kind of say, well, your vote's not really your voice. Because if you lose, you lose your voice. Your voice doesn't matter. So this is what the dictatorship or the majority? That's what we that's what we have, essentially, in a, in a very convoluted way because it's not 
outright democracy. It's it's a a roundabout way. It's it's a, it's a democratic republic. Yeah, but that, what I always say is that a democracy is two wolves and a sheep deciding on what to have for dinner. A democratic republic is when the sheep has a piece of paper called a constitution to defend itself against the wolves. Okay. A- anarchy, anarchy, no, an- because a piece of paper is not going to defend you. What are you going to do? Sh- shake a piece of paper, light it on fire? What are you going to do? But, but, but anarchy but, is when but the, the sheep... constitution's <laughs> only as good as the people who value yeah. into it. Yeah, but you have two wolves who are going to enforce this piece of paper saying that the sheep has a right to live? No, they're not going to do that. And if they do, they're not going to do it very effectively. Right? They're going to say, oh, well, it doesn't count if we only take one of the sheep's legs. It doesn't count if we only take, uh, you know, one of his kidneys. Anarchy is when the sheep has a semi-automatic rifle to defend itself against the wolves. Well... We can go round and round about gun rights. No, I'm just I'm just saying in principle, the metaphor being what it is. Okay. Is that defending yourself that that, that a constitution is a poor defense of liberty if that's your only defense. But the constitution was never meant to be a a um We're getting a little bit windy now apparently. Yeah. The constitution was never meant to be what you said. It yeah, it's a defense against the was, tyranny of the majority. Of the, it was a defense against it, the government from overstepping the Bill of Rights, which was, was right. set up to, to prevent the government from overstepping its bounds. Right, and how has that actually worked in practice? Well, I think... Not very well. Didn't stop the Japanese from being interned. It didn't stop... Uh, no, but, but being here on the porch talking like this means that Uncle Sam can't come in here and barge in and arrest you. Right, but the Constitution didn't suddenly create that right. That right existed anyway. But it, it alienated it. Otherwise, yeah. otherwise you'd have what's going on in Russia. Russia, if you speak out against Putin, God help you. Right, there are some places that are worse. I'm not saying that that's not the case. I'm just saying that if you are relying on a Constitution to be your defense of your liberty, it's not very effective. Well, that's why you have to be vigilant. That's all well and good if we're Greeks sitting around in togas all day, but, you know, people have lives to live and they can't devote their entire life to the political world. That's why we have people who are like the ACLU looking out for these things. Yeah. They seem to have fallen a little bit far from grace. <coughs> I wonder why that is. I remember growing Political up... Political agendas. I, I remember growing up, you know, I mentioned ACLU to my parents and they're like, oh, they're communists. Until I reminded them, hey, they protect you against your freedom of speech. Yeah, but they don't stand up for a lot of people nowadays. Well, they're going to pick battles that are winnable. Mm, yeah, but they're often t- turncoats. I mean, they, they turncoated when it came to sex workers, when it came to, you know, a lot of these things. They just, you know, folded. It's a sad, sad moment when you have to put the cigar out because it's almost to the end. Yeah. They never last long enough. Well, you know, it's not perfect. 
Yeah, I'm not saying that anything is perfect. Nothing is perfect. But that's why, you know, they said that, um, but I mean, the, the, the cost of freedom is you have to be forever vigilant against, you know, people who are going to be like stepping up against uh, the grain. We're going to be stepping up against, we're going to try to infringe <laughs> or use the government to... Yeah, but if you don't have the right of people to leave, then you can't even pretend that that's the case. You know? I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying... I mean, the best, the better answer would just to be abolish it and say, look, just leave these, people don't need to have a psychopath in charge of them. We don't need to have one in charge. It doesn't matter who wins, we're going to have somebody bad who's going to be in power. You know, the the defense that Biden offers for his vote to authorize the Iraq war, for example, is that he was lied to by the Bush administration about weapons of mass destruction. Well, let me tell you, they did give you out... The Bush they they lied, <laughs> but even if the weapons of mass destruction existed, why does that excuse going to war? Because... Because what we only United States should have weapons? No, because if Saddam had weapons of mass destruction, does that necessitate killing half a million Iraqis? I don't think so. Okay, but the problem is, is that you have. Well, I mean, imagine if somebody took that approach and said, "Look, the the U.S. is the only country to have used nuclear weapons." In, in war. We need to go to war against the United States because they don't have a right to nuclear weapons. Every American would be rightly outraged and feel like, well, that's wrong. We have a right to have nuclear weapons. But I think the problem is, is that um, to, to make sure that... Well, let me tell the you... Hegemony the hegemony of the U.S. War, is protected. The Iraq war was all about oil. And, yes, of course it was, but if your defense, if if you vote for something that you know, he's not a stupid person, Biden. His staffers are, are probably not stupid people. If your defense of voting for something that resulted in half a million people dying, foreigners dying, not to mention the American servicemen who died, if your defense of that is, well, I thought that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction, based on intelligence the Bush administration pushed on us. If that's your defense, right, that to me is not a morally correct posture. The morally correct posture would be, oh, this was a, a devastating event for the people of Iraq. It destabilized the country for 20 years. Lots of people died. It was wrong. I wouldn't do it again, even if I was presented with evidence, faulty or not, that they had weapons of mass destruction. That is not the United States' business. We cannot be in, in, the, in the business of, of deciding world events 
that have nothing to do with us. Iraq is not, was not, and will never be a threat to the United States. We have no business going to war against them. It, yes, in a way it did, because of the oil. If, if we had let Iraq control uh, all that oil coming out, it could have affected the, the economy. And, and It would have pushed people to find alternatives to oil. And then we wouldn't be having this Green New Deal conversation right now. This is what happens when you try to play Emperor of the Universe. And, you know, you, you can't predict events. Well, no one can predict events. Right. That's why you shouldn't be acting in a way that is going to have massive consequences and is going to result in the deaths of thousands of people. Those lives matter, too. I mean, the, the, the conversation about the 200,000 people who, who died of COVID, whether they did or not, is, is up to whatever person's opinion. But if, if you want to lay that on the doorstep of Trump, fine, whatever, I don't care. But he didn't act. I, I understand that. That's not what my conversation is about. Even if you want to lay that on Trump's doorstep, fine, that's okay. I don't care if you want to do that. But you can't then absolve Biden of all the deaths of Iraqi people and Yemeni people and Afghani people and Pakistani people who have died in the U.S. war on terror and larger imperial activities. You can't have it both ways. It's just that those lives are not visible in the American media because they're not white. Or broadly speaking, American. People don't care. People don't even know that the war in Yemen started under Obama's watch. Two years almost before Trump even took office. Now, Trump escalated it and has participated in it, but it doesn't absolve... Only because they can't figure out how to get out of it. Which the way to get out of it is just stop. You just stop. You just say, look, if the Saudis want to fight their own war, let them. We're not going to give them logistical support. We're not going to blockade the country. We're not going to lend our navy out. We're not going to do any of this bullshit. That's the answer. Just get out. That's all you need to do. That's the answer. Same but the problem is that the same argument with Vietnam is that they reinvested all this money and treasure into of course, Vietnam. We should never gotten in the first place. We had a chance to do it right, but we were so blinded by by thinking we were um, right and the brown people were stupid. Or in this case, yellow people. But yes. Yeah, people, foreigners. Foreigners. Yeah. I mean, we had a chance. When Ho Chi Minh went to the uh, League of Nations, not League of Nations, but the 1919 Peace Conference, yeah. we had a chance to say, hey, yeah, you're right. Self-determination. Exactly. But self-determination only <coughs> applied to Europeans. Right. No, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right, but, but that goes back to the point, is that just because you've sunk a bunch of money and lives into something doesn't mean you double down. When, when you lose a lot of people of your own people, I mean, how many soldiers, not, not only the, people, the ones who died in Iraq or Afghanistan, <clears throat> but the ones who have come home and dealt with psychological problems, PTSD, committed suicide, drug overdoses, all this stuff, right? You have all that cost. You don't say, well... The way to honor those people is to make sure we create more of them. We create more people addicted to drugs. We create more people who commit suicide when they come home because they can't adjust. That's not the answer. 
you don't double down on something bad because you already lost a bunch of stuff. Right, but I think the problem is in Afghanistan and Iraq, we've sunk in so much treasure that we have to justify our investment. Politically, maybe, but you know that's not a problem for somebody who didn't vote for it. Shouldn't be. Nobody who has the stain of that on their on their record should ever be considered for public office. All right, so you should run. Yeah, I would be assassinated on the first day by somebody from Raytheon or some other company. I think um, I think you and I both argue about. <clears throat> Afghanistan and Iraq was wrong. We shouldn't have gone there. We just different how how to get out of it. I mean, you might prefer going by air. Maybe I would say go by boat, but <laughs> <laughs> you got to get out. Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, we we've sunk in, and, and the problem is too is that we've got. Well, Afghanistan's a perfect example. We gave all these weapons to the Mujahideen. Right. And turned Which also to, shouldn't have done. Which shouldn't have done. But the Mujahideen turned into the Taliban, which used those weapons against us. Kind of. The Taliban was their own situation. They just happened to be loosely affiliated with, with the Mujahideen. Well... But really what it where, was... Where's the Mujahideen now? Really what happened... They're not our allies. Really what happened in that situation, in that war, in that conflict, was what people don't often realize is that the United States didn't just, you know, give weapons to Osama bin Laden and, and, and his ilk, right? They gave the money and the weapons and supplies to the Pakistani president, Ziul Haq, who then distributed to Afghan groups fighting the Soviets. We funneled everything through through him. Well, what do you think happened? He made sure that his friends in Afghanistan got the money, got the supplies, got the weapons. People who were not on his good side didn't. How do we get funnel? How do we funnel money and weapons to Pakistan? You said Pakistan, okay? Yeah. So we gave money to, to him. We said, "Hey, you've got and the we people on the ground." Pakistan. Right. You've, you've got the people on the ground, you've got the intelligence, you've got the proximity to the area. We're, we're going to use you, we're going to contract you out, basically, to run this operation. But people have political agendas. It's the same thing with the war on terror. When it's like, oh, we need to find terrorists, we need to have um, alliances with you know, these different countries, whether it's the Saudis, the Jordanians, whoever. Who do you think they rounded up in these anti-terrorism sweeps? It wasn't terrorists. Most often, it was people who were on their shit list. And that's how the Uyghurs ended up in, in Guantanamo. The who? The Uyghurs. The, the Chinese Muslims. The ones that ended up in, in, uh, in Guantanamo. How did that go? And now we're on their side because of the Chinese. Right. Or the, 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 the kid in... Um, in Canada, that uh, Cotter, uh, who recently, a couple of years ago, got released, and everybody said he should be tried as a war criminal because he shot back when they were shooting at him. And he was only released because he was a kid at the time, when it happened. And so they exonerated him. But I, I'm just wondering to myself, like, how the hell can you try somebody as a war criminal when they were in their own country, in their own home, shooting back 
when they were shot at. Well, war criminals. Somebody goes into a a city full of civilians and you know rounds up people and kills them. That's a war criminal. Yeah, sounds like what we did with the the um, um, black uh, Eric Prince and his uh, mercenaries. Yeah, we, we wheeled him out. They they got them out before they could be tried as. Um, Which goes back to um, China, back before the Boxer Revolution, one of the, one of the Chinese people, their, their biggest complaint was, um, was it, what's it called, extra... Extra Extrajudicial? Yes. You can't try them because they're United States, or they're European citizens, so they're above the law. They can only be tried in, in European courts. Yeah. I think you and I agree with that. We should have never gotten into Afghanistan. We should have never gotten into um, Iraq. Maybe the first time that was legit. But even that is still not the United States' business. We can't be involved in, in everybody's stuff. When we went to war with Mexico, nobody interfered. Well, and that was a wrong war, too. We were the aggressor. But nobody didn't see Britain or France say, hey, we got to stop this. Now, really? granted, different time, it would have been more difficult to, to do such a thing. Well, you got to remember, too, that um, it was all about manifest destiny and, and securing territory for the United States. Right. Just like it was with, with Saddam. He wanted to secure territory for Iraq. He, we might think he was wrong. We might think, you know, whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, if you believe that the United States, the job of the United States military is to defend the United States, not to proactively stretch out as, a, as an empire and have these frontiers, then you have to come to the conclusion that we can't, even if something, even if we believe something is clearly wrong, we can't be doing this. But, you know... Oftentimes you make it worse, by the way. So you're saying the war that we should have World War II... We should not have gotten involved in Europe in World War II. Yeah, honestly. Even though, even though that he did, oh, he could, he did pose a, uh, a threat to um, the United States. I think in the long, well, no, I think there is no, there is no way Japan or Germany posed a threat to the United States. Really. No. Japan was encroaching on, uh, on Hawaii. And, and, uh, yeah, they were encroaching upon U.S. territories that were conquered territories that you could argue the United States should never have conquered in the first place. And whatever that might be, they weren't going to be able to hold them. Japan wasn't going to be able to do so. And, and going to war against Hitler was also a mistake because if you had just not let not done anything, he and Stalin would have exhausted themselves. They would have taken each other out. And then you could have spared the whole 20th century the pain of the Eastern Bloc, all of the, the, the problems with communism and fascism. But he conquered France and he was threatening England. Yes, and as soon as he went to war against uh, Russia, that was it. 
It was over. As soon as that happened, there was no chance he was ever going to win. He, he, it was just, when was he going to lose? There was no reason. And that, by the way, was before the United States got involved, which we kind of already were in terms of logistics. But, but, <clears throat> and but, not to but, mention... But we didn't declare war on Germany first. I, I know, declared, they declared war on us, but we declared... No, we declared war on Japan. Right. But then Germany said, oh, well, you're picking on our friend. Right. Right, which was colossally stupid for his part, but it not, doesn't matter. All of this, by the way, is predated by the U.S. decision to go into World War One, which was also a mistake. It didn't concern the United States. If they were going to torpedo merchant ships, just stop sending them. The, why are the merchants sending goods in into waters when they know they're going to be destroyed? But then it would have been... Yes, you have a right to trade with other countries, but yeah. if if I'm going into waters and somebody's blowing up the ships, I'm either going to start equipping my ships with with weapons of themselves, or I'm going to stop sh- sending the ships over. But international law says you can't. I understand that. I no, sure, but international law also says don't don't shoot unarmed merchant ships. So which, I'm just saying, which they didn't, which Germany didn't stop. They were hmm. like, oh, this is. Um, they did it off and on. They did stop at some point, and they picked it back up. Stop, picked it back up. That it's 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 not cut and dry that they didn't stop or they did stop. But the point is, is that there was no point in which Imperial Germany was a threat to the United States. It was not going to happen. Nobody, even today, nobody is ever going to conquer the United States. Maybe in five hundred years, when things are different, maybe I don't know. But maybe not conquer, but they could influence. I don't think so. How? We're so we're so interconnected right now that one side picks on the other side. It, it, it packs us. Yeah, but that's not an excuse to go and, and kill civilians or interact in a way that you you are going to make things worse, which is oftentimes what happens. There's not a single point in in which intervention has not actually made things worse. They keep making things worse. Because you can't predict these things. These are complex human societies that you can't interact in a way that you're going to manipulate events to come reach some end goal that you think is better. Anyway, we're, we're at our final minute here. Um, they, I looked up the, uh, the whiskey. Apparently it's, it's not finished in port, barrel, uh, in port barrels. They actually put port into the whiskey and bottle it at 80%. So that's why it tastes a little sweeter than the typical rye. But it is very smooth, and I would wholeheartedly endorse this this, uh, this brand Mm. for a Thanksgiving dinner. Well, maybe we can try to secure some sponsors. Get from get some free uh, samples just to to test and see if uh, if the next bottle tastes as good as this. Okay. All right. Well, and God loves those angels. Yeah. That's it for now. <laughs>